Good evening, everybody. Welcome inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It is weekly here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse. And for the second time this season, we join you after a Penn State loss. A difficult one, 28-17 against Ohio State. A lot to talk about. A lot of breakdown that we'll get to in this episode. But the long and short of it, the college football playoff dream is finished for Penn State. They're likely going to be 10-2 and two after this weekend's game against Rutgers. And we'll move on to a bowl game of some kind. That which does not exclude the Rose Bowl in terms of the matter of possibilities that still exist. A Wisconsin win this weekend over Minnesota. And then an ensuing Ohio State win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship would in all likelihood send Penn State to the Rose Bowl. But college football playoff talk will have to be tabled, at least from a Penn State perspective, until next year. Yeah, it seems like um, 2020 is is the year that people keep saying, oh, this could be the year, and, and Penn State was ahead of schedule this year. A lot of people had them tabbed for 8-4, and 9-3. and three. Looks like uh, unless some crazy um, un- unforeseen circumstances, they will go 10-2 and two on the season, which, not, which is nothing to, to be upset about, slouch about. It's a very good year. I mean, most people will take that for their program, depending on who their program is, um, you know, pretty much every year. Um, you know, for Penn State fans, uh, it's a little frustrating um, because of the way that they they got there, starting off 8-0, and then it seems like since that Minnesota game, they just haven't played their best football. And, um, you know, another year short of the college football playoff, the Big Ten Championship, which is also important, but – Right now, it looks like in the Big Ten, it's Ohio State and then everybody else. And when I say everybody else, I'm putting Penn State and really Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin in that category. And then I would even put Minnesota below them. I think they're having a really, really good year, especially for their standards. But um, as the Big Ten has been the last couple of years, it's really been Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Penn State all trying to get up to Ohio State's level. And, and really, I do think Penn State is the closest to doing that. Um, they've given Ohio State the the best uh, games that they've played in the Big Ten the last four years. Uh, but, you know, th- it doesn't matter. Like James Franklin said today, no moral victories. Um, you know, the fan base doesn't accept moral victories. Uh, but, you know, uh, some good things happened from that game, especially in the second half there, the third quarter. Uh, it was good to see them, them fight, not give up, force some turnovers. Uh, but at the end of the day, they fell short, which many people expected, including us. Yes, the Ohio State Buckeyes appear to be the class of the Big Ten, and we have our own version of class of whatever competition, class of their conference, class of, in this case, the guest pickers this evening. Rob Kelly, Mara Long, both 6-0 and in their earlier guest picker appearances. So how do we settle this? A guest picker showdown, and we're looking forward to that in the second half of the show. We have six games for them to pick same format as we've had all year and I think a good end to the season for us here Tyler yeah and you couldn't pick a better weekend rivalry rivalry weekend across the board (laughs) I always have trouble saying that one Uh, you know we have the Iron Bowl uh, we will pick we'll pick Ohio State Michigan Um, yeah the battle of the coastal ACC coastal too with Virginia and Virginia Tech a chance to uh, go to the ACC championship to, and ultimately get destroyed by Clemson. But right. still nice for those two teams to uh, face off for, for hopes of winning the Coastal. I only laugh, Tyler, because the games you picked this week, and we'll get to it, of course, are really difficult. I mean, every game is a road 
uh, a road favorite, but by like two and a half points and all the games mean something, it's going to be very difficult to pick these games. It, it is going to be very difficult, uh, not to mention uh, I'm now one game up on you. So yes, we're you we're in a battle ourselves. And yes. I mean, I would imagine we're going to have at least two picks differ uh, because, like you said, the picks this week can really go either way in a lot of these games. So um, it'll be interesting to see who we pick simultaneously and, and see if it uh, gives you a chance to, to gain that game back. <laughs> we shall see. Let's get to the discussion about the Penn State-Ohio State game last weekend. And I'm going to run this any way you'd like. This is uh, somewhat uncharted territory from, from a discussion standpoint. It's the first time we're talking about Will Levis. So let's start there. Sean Clifford, Will Levis. Sean Clifford has been banged up for several weeks coming into this weekend's football game. Went down in the third quarter, down 21 nothing. Will Levis comes in, starts moving the football team down the field, gets two touchdowns and another field goal. Turnover is a big part of that. Another thing we'll get to. Have heard some discussion on both sides of the equation. One, people giving Franklin a hard time. Well, you know, Sean Clifford's your guy, and Will Levis is doing great, but then you make him make a read, and he throws an interception. And at that point, you know, down maybe when you're 28-17, why not throw Sean Clifford out there? I've heard that. And then I've heard, well, you know, you got to keep riding the Levis. Why didn't you run the ball leading into yeah, that right, spot? So, right. So let's back up and talk about the difference between when Sean Clifford's on the field and Will Levis is on the field. When Sean Clifford is on the field, the playbook is open. He's a redshirt sophomore. He has another year of experience, and he has 10 games of experience coming into this football game. And what he is able to do is a lot different than Will Levis. And the trust that Ricky Ronnie has to have him go through multiple progressions. Remember, we had the whiteboard session earlier in the year when we talked about how he was only seeing one side of the field. That has improved. That isn't necessarily his expertise yet. Will Levis, on the other hand, is a battering ram, strong runner, moves the pile forward, good read option type guy, and he was able to move downhill, which is great. However... When he throws the football, and even the good throws that he made, that was his first and only read. Some of them were jammed into spots where they shouldn't have been jammed into. And then, of course, the interception. The way I saw it, Tyler, he makes a decision before the ball's even snapped, decides he's going there, throws it to a receiver who isn't even really broken off his route yet, and throws it into a, a grouping of three Ohio State tight ends. So, yes, Will Levis played great, can give you a spark. He's a long way from being the starting quarterback of this football team. I'm okay with opening up the competition again next year. But what I don't want the takeaway to be is, well, hey, Will Levis, Sean Clifford, eh, I don't know, Levis succeeded. Yeah. Um, going into this week, though, it sounds like it, it might be 50-50 uh, on who the starter is. because of, it's Levis. Because of injury. Uh, it, you know, Clifford didn't go back into the game because he wasn't 100%, and I guess they thought that, you know, 100% Levis was better than a whatever the percent was on Clifford. You know, Clifford wasn't really moving the ball that well, and neither was the offense, and that's a whole nother um, discussion. Um, you know, we can also discuss that now. But it was very interesting to me that a couple things stood out about Levis was, one, his, um, you know, physical running style – uh, a lot of people probably thought immediately, oh, Tommy Stevens, pretty much the same type of player. Um, strong arm, the one throw that he fit into K.J. Hamler. Um, I mean, the guy's got a bullet, uh, you know, 
good size, strong, strong arm. It's also important to note that the defense set him up remarkably well with turnovers, and that's kind of what sparked the comeback. Uh, Levis, uh, obviously the first drive that he led down, um, Clifford got hurt on the bounce pass, I call it. It's the second time that's happened this year when he drops a snap, bounces right to him, chucks it first down. That pretty much put him at the uh, 50, or just on the other side in Ohio State territory. And from there, it was um, Clifford, or, uh, I'm sorry, Levis and Brown really stealing the show on the ground. Um, and, and to me, it was a little frustrating because I couldn't figure out for the life of me why they waited for Levis to be put in the game because of injury to Clifford to start running the ball. I mean, Journey Brown run, ran the ball very, very well the other day in Columbus. Right. And, um, you know, it, I don't know why that wasn't part of the game plan early on. Uh, but, you know, ever since Levis went in, they were running the ball. Um, and, and it opened up some things. Obviously, I talked about the turnovers. But um, the one read that he did make was was a bad read. And if you watch the replay, he could have gone to Dotson on the right, Hamler on the left. If he throws that to Hamler, he's on one-on-one. And yep. the guy was like about 10 yards off of him, not even looking at him. And he was running an out. He catches that. He only has to make one move on him, and he's in for a touchdown. Yeah, and even if not, you're down to the two. Right. I mean, he he it. would have been able to do something with that. You get um, a, you move the sticks. You you keep. I mean, that moving. was that was frustrating. It was almost. But what that's are you, expected, what are your uh, right? Yeah. But the thing that really drove me nuts um, was, and I get that he Levis is not running the first team reps really much at all during the week, but the fact that there were multiple snap, um, you know, uh, fumbles and miscommunications when he's walking up to Mennett, getting ready to change a play or whatever, and he's snapping it. Look, I know you're on the road. I know it's your first time really playing in meaningful football, and it's in a hostile environment, but that stuff, I can take it happening once, but it happened like three or four times, uh, and they got lucky with it, to be honest with you, that it didn't really cost them too much. Yep. No, I, I, I am with you 100% there. I just think... You're in a tough environment and the toughest uh, against maybe the toughest team in the country, the number one ranked team in the country now. And you got a quarterback that really shouldn't be out there. And let's call it what it is. And then the only counter I'd have to your point about the rushing game is Journey Brown looks a lot better and the rushing game is a lot more successful when the threat is either Journey Brown bouncing to the outside or 235 coming right down the throat. Sean Clifford didn't offer that as something for the defense to pay attention to. So if you're handing that ball off to Journey Brown, it, it feels a little different. You're talking about spread option pass for Clifford coming out of the shotgun versus Will Levis. It's read option run, and now it's more about gap control. Sure. That makes it difficult to stop Journey Brown when he bounces to the outside. Sure. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Clifford definitely didn't play that great of a game either. And, you know, I don't think he always makes the right read, whether to hand it off or, or, or for Clifford to keep it and run or even throw. Um, one thing that's interesting to me um, is the game plan, obviously, is to get Fryermuth and Hamler the ball as much as possible. Uh, obviously, throughout the year, it appears that um, Clifford's been keying in on those guys. I mean, all you have to do is look at the statistics. Um, and, and obviously, today, there was some news on Justin Shorter entering the transfer portal. So what this means... Uh, number six, redshirt freshman, highly touted receiver, top ten recruit last year, uh, redshirted but played in four games last year, entered the transfer portal today as James Franklin had his press conference. Uh, the timing certainly wasn't good. And 
this isn't the first time we've seen a Penn State player enter the enter the transfer portal. Um, some of those players that have uh, entered over the offseason came back. Lamont Wade, who had a stellar game against the Buckeyes, and Cam Sullivan-Brown, who's out with an injury this year. It doesn't mean because you enter, that doesn't mean you're leaving. But this definitely isn't a good look uh, for a couple of reasons because of high, how highly touted he was coming out of high school. He's still a young prospect, but he hasn't really played up to the bill so far of that five-star, number one receiver recruit, all that. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It doesn't mean he's leaving. Now I don't know what it means if he's practicing or if he's playing this week. That's that's all by James Franklin and the staff and what they want to do. Um, but he's still technically on the team until he's actually transferred. And again, he still might not transfer, but something to think about because you know we did the blitz on uh, on the X receiver, which Shorter is, and how how it's really been missing from the Penn State offense this year, whether it's Shorter, Jacena, or uh, George. So I think it's pretty interesting that now we're having this conversation because of the lack of um, the lack of production from the X uh, receiver position this year and. And this is a guy I don't think they can afford to lose because I think he could end up being a really good player for him. So hopefully it all works out, but something to definitely pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, that's a big set of news coming out here today. Without a doubt that Justin Shorter heads to the transfer portal. And what was a young core coming back? Now we have questions about Pat Fryermuth, about K.J. Hamler, and about Justin Shorter. And that really changes the equation from a skill position perspective for next year for Penn State. And that that's what to me gets so frustrating because you know everybody says 2020 could be the year, but you never know which guys are going to transfer. You never know which guys are going to go to the NFL. I mean, ultimately every year you're going to have probably four or five guys that, with the ability to go to the pros early and some probably shouldn't go but are going to go and it really hurts your chances for for the next season. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of saying, "Oh, well it sets up well for 2020." You never know what you have coming back in 2020. That's very true. You don't know. Uh, and, and things change very quickly in college football. With that said, I think the stable of talent is quite good. And what we may see next year might not be as experienced of a roster as we may have thought coming into this season as to what we would see the following season. That said, I and this might transition to our next discussion, which is that of James Franklin, I think it just speaks volumes about Franklin and the program, the amount of talent that they have called and the way that they have performed this year above and beyond expectations. The fact that it's now four straight years of nine wins, three out of the last four years where they'll have 10 wins, potentially a Rose Bowl. I think folks have to ask themselves the question, what is Penn State? And I don't mean this in a negative way whatsoever, but what is Penn State? Is Penn State Ohio State historically? Is Penn State Alabama historically? No and no. But what they have consistently been is that next tier, anywhere from 5 to 10 at the end of the year, and they have done so up until the last two years with less than 85 scholarships. He doesn't have a full complement of four classes of folks with 85 scholarships. And what they've done is rebound a program incredibly well over the span of time that is seriously condensed. And so you have conversations with people all the time about James Franklin and his decision-making, and is it his fault or is it the coordinator's fault, and is he a CEO, is he just a recruiter? I don't know. I'm not 
going to put that label on him. The label I'll put on him is that he's a darn good head of a program, and he's a darn good football coach, and uh, I know that is a probably quite the either controversial or or differing point from a lot of our viewers and listeners, but I'll say this. If there are other jobs that James Franklin are considering and he were to leave, he will be the coach that you maybe didn't know how much you were going to miss. Right, in terms of, especially in terms of recruiting, I think he's a great face for your program. He'll take really Cider with him. Yeah, well. Cider will get another job right. himself. And, and the problem with coaching carousels is a lot of times you lose a lot of the recruits that you had committed to your class. Um, and obviously, we don't want to go down that until, but there is speculation USC or Florida State could be you know, in, in contact with him. There could be mutual interest. Um, but I don't want to go down that, that path yet. Uh, but it is that kind of thing that it might be like you really didn't know how good you had it until something's gone. You know what? They, a lot of times they say that about an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. You didn't know how good <laughs> you had it until it's, it's over. And uh, But, I mean, from a – look, game day, everybody kind of can agree that he might not be the best game day coach. Um, a lot of people would also agree that he probably doesn't have the best offensive coordinator right now for that. Um, he, but James Franklin is – a great leader, great motivator, great recruiter. Um, all the things you want to be the face of your program appears to be, from what we know, um, you know, controversy-free. Um, you know, so to me, it's I, I really like him. I would like to see some things improve. I think he needs a better offensive coordinator because I think you see what he did when Joe Moorhead was here, and Ricky Ronnie's just not up to speed. I myself, I'm not the biggest Ricky Ronnie fan. Uh, I just think that. It's too predictable going in. I don't understand why your number two quarterback uh, played better than your number one quarterback in that game. Uh, I just, I, I'm not sure how much of an improvement Sean Clifford has made. Listen, he's had a very, very good season for a redshirt sophomore quarterback, but I would have liked to see more improvement, specifically getting with his reads. We talked about his reads a while yeah. ago as well in the Blitz. And he did make an adjustment, but it seems like the last couple of weeks here, he's still just keen on on a keen in on a couple guys, and then takes off. Very good runner, underrated runner for sure. But um, I, I just don't have faith in Ricky Ronnie that he is the coach that you want to get to this next category that we're talking about to the top tier. Yeah, I can answer the question about why the backup quarterback played better than the starter, and it's because they kept the playbook. I mean, so simple. They ran essentially the same look every single time, read option or quarterback draw. And that's that's not something that Clifford had at his disposal. Right. But and it's just not. And, and I, I think you do need to run complex plays. And I think that if Will Levis had to start the game and they came out that way, Ohio State, here's what it is. Ohio State wasn't prepared for Will right. Levis. So you'll see a guy like but, Levis have limited success early because Ohio State has no idea or no thought right. that that's coming, but, hadn't prepared, and they make an in-game adjustment. It, I mean, if Will had started the game, that that wouldn't have lasted more than a quarter and a half. Right, but it's not – I agree with that, but it's not like Clifford can't run, and it just seemed to me that running wasn't even in – for the most part, wasn't part of their strategy early on. And and I thought – you know, I think Noah Kane played 11 one total plays and had one carry. 
But what does that tell you? I mean, he's their top guy. He might not be 100%. And I, I know I Journey that Clifford. Brown is probably the top guy right now. I mean, I think they kind of go 1A, 1B. Um, but not so 1A that Noah Kane gets one carry if he's 100%. Right. But, again, I'm talking about Clifford's reads. Some of the ones that he kept, he held on to or threw – should have been should have been runs to the running back. I mean, if you look at the if so you look at the read, that is my I'm with you. Are we yeah. talking about are we talking about Ronnie or are we talking about Clifford? <laughs> to me, it seems like he's made misreads more often than not, and I just don't know why there's not adjustments being made. I mean, I don't know if it's Clifford, I don't know if it's Ronnie, but a lot of times on a young quarterback you know, it's the same thing happening over and over again, which makes me wonder, is it not being coached? Yeah. That's, I don't know. You know Football's what I mean? hard. <laughs> it know, is, but sometimes, sometimes, yeah, no, it, it is, and it happens very fast. But I just don't think. I mean, I want you know, we want Penn State to be in that top tier. They're really not that far away. I mean, they are right. They are right on the border of getting into that. And you know, we talked about it earlier too this year that sometimes Ronnie's been very good, sometimes not so good, specifically in the red zone. Um, I just think that they're very close, and I just don't know if I have faith in him, and I'm not sure if the 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 um, majority of the fans have faith that he is the guy to get them to the next to the next uh, to the next level. Interesting, though. On uh, I do want to touch on this when Penn State had the ball going in to tie the game at 21 in the third quarter. That play to me looked like the same play that they got down to the two yard line against Minnesota. Uh, that was called back for a penalty. This one, though, went right through the hands of Journey Brown. I think it would have been a touchdown, um, would have tied the game. I was, uh, but the play definitely looked familiar. I I like the play. That's that's a thing, and I'm not sure. A lot of it is execution. There were a good amount of drops the other day. Yep. Uh, but I just don't. I feel like that game was the plays were called so tightly to his chest. And I don't know why. Just not go out there, let it fly a little bit. I mean, when's the last time Clifford threw a deep ball? Michigan. You know what I mean, or the interception at Minnesota. Right. So, and I, I don't know. I got you. I get it. Get it off the chest. I just think that Ohio State makes it really difficult, and we can't undersell that. How good that team is, and how difficult it is to beat them, and how well Penn State played, and yeah. that they gave themselves a shot. In they the did, quarter. but they had two hundred and I think sixty total yards of offense. Penn yep. State not going to cut it. Um, I didn't understand at all why, for the most part, on third and long, they were leaving Fries out one-on-one with Young um, or Walker. A lot of times, no chip. There was no yep. chip from a running back. I can't understand it. I mean, he's the best player in college football. I don't care how good you are as a tackle in college. You're not going to be able to stop that. I'm with you. I'm also not sure why they didn't go 12 personnel at all, which we talked about. Yep. We thought they'd be going double tights a lot. It didn't happen more than 10 times where they went Bowers and Fryermuth. Why? I don't know. Now, look, we're not football coaches, but we we know the game pretty well. Um, you know, we we put a lot of effort into um, you know studying, especially you with with your blitz. And to me, it just doesn't make sure why it doesn't make sense to why you wouldn't go a little bit of twelve personnel. Beans, you know, you're going to need help blocking Chase Young with a tight end. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And when you say twelve personnel, there's two ways to do that, right? One tight end on the left, one tight end on the right, or you could put both tight ends on the same side of the field. One runs a route, one blocks, and yeah. you, you you create a matchup problem in the linebacking core that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that was that was disappointing to me. 
Um, overall, the first drive of the game for Ohio State on defense to flip it to the defense, that was disappointing. 90 yards um, all on the ground. I'm not sure uh, if we weren't prepared for the Justin Fields shotgun spread them out QB draw, but they got Penn State on that a couple of times. Uh, really put daggers on the drive um, for the defense, I should say. And um, But the defense clamped down big time. I mean, the game could have been out of hand if it wasn't for the Lamont Wade, his first strip fumble, Fields going into the end zone, turnover. I mean, the defense really gave them life after that. Uh, the offense, and it's funny because all the last couple, from the beginning of the season we were saying, the defense should be able to keep them in every game. We changed that. At least I changed my narrative a little bit the last couple of weeks after seeing how the defense has played, and they were really up to the occasion and kept them into the game. The offense had the chance to win that game. They did. How close it – you know what I mean? Like Everything would have needed to have gone right. right. Journey Brown needs to catch that ball walk into the end zone. Yep. Um, and then I think if he catches and walks into the end zone, 21, who, 21. who knows what happens on the next drive. Do they I, score the I touchdown? Even right. if they don't score the touchdown, I don't know that – that Could Will Levis, Levis lead them f- on a 75-yard drive? Well, my point was going to be, I don't know if they needed to be as aggressive as telling Levis, right. like, hey, pull it and and think about throwing the mm-hmm. ball. Right? They could have just kept and maybe taken a field goal after they got down 28-21. Sure. Or, or been in four-down territory, so you're not worried about necessarily throwing the ball across the middle, needing to get to the stick. Yes, it all changes. The better football team won that game. I think I learned a lot about Penn State in the process, and I came away happy with the defense. Obviously a little bit disappointed in the outcome, but we if you're a Penn State, you have a quarterback that's not healthy. You have a backup quarterback that's acquitted himself very well. You know that you have depth in the backfield, and Journey Brown, a guy who in all likelihood will be here next year. Now you have questions about the wide receiver in the tight end position, though, and that – that is where things get interesting. I feel like that's probably a topic for a different day. Sure. We can talk about Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange and where where they may be if Friar, Friar Muth does go. Back. He'll be back. That ain't no guess. That's what it's going to be. He's going to be back. I'll leave it at that. With a wry smile He'll on his be face. Back. We'll see. We'll see. You say that now, even if you are pulling some intel from the inside. No intel from the inside here. I just think I have a good feeling. Only Just wait until a scout tells right. him he's a late first rounder. I don't think he is. That's the problem. Yeah. Not yet. Next year, maybe. Maybe. Very good chance. Maybe. Tight ends don't go that early. You think about Pig Howard, a guy who, right. from uh, Alabama. Alabama, right. 14. He was that sort of generation. What a good tight name, end. Pig. Uh, yeah. OJ <laughs> Howard. But yeah, Pig He's Howard. on the Buccaneers, right? He is. Yeah. Yes. And then, of course, Noah Fant was drafted pretty and highly. And Hawkinson from Iowa. Yep. They're both. Both um, of them. Gesicki, too, was pretty drafted pretty high, not to get off topic on yep. the tight ends, but I think he was a second rounder, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So. And if I think if he's in that mix, it's a discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So we shall see. Anything else burning from that game you want to talk about before we get to our guest picker showdown? Ooh, uh, it would be really nice if Justin Fields is wearing blue and white. I would say that. I, I would really be interested to see if he had stuck to his commitment at Penn State if, is Penn State uh, number one in the country right now? Maybe. Well, I'm actually glad you brought that up. I'll make one more point before we head to break. But I thought the defense was unbelievable. I know a lot of people said that. But even when they were giving up points in the first half, it was because Justin Fields is an otherworldly talent 
where oh, otherwise gap control and blitz pressure and great coverage, generally speaking, in the secondary was thwarted by the fact that he just takes a great defensive scheme and just throws it in the scrap heap. I yeah. mean, he's that elusive and that good. It was incredible to watch how many times it looked like guys had him teed up and you're watching with people, ah, you got to make that tackle. Broke, broke I, Jan Johnson's ankles yeah. on the third and 15. I kind of shrug my shoulders when somebody says, you got to make that tackle and say, you know what? He's more athletic. Like People yeah. miss tackles well, when somebody more athletic than them has space in the open field right. that's one-on-one. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the way it is. So, you know. You think about holding penalties and things like that. Is that a mental mistake? No, it, it it's often just a physical thing. The guy is quicker. He's getting by you. He's better than you. So you have to hold him. Same thing from a defensive standpoint when you're trying to tackle. I get it that you don't make a tackle, and that's really frustrating for fans. They are more athletic and better <laughs> than the Penn State defenders. Justin Fields in many, in most, almost all yeah, cases. Um, you're, you're totally right. Uh, it would have been... It's kind of the fallacy it, you know, around and, and football, right? The craziest right? part is if he wasn't granted eligibility this year, which is a you know yeah. very controversial subject within itself, yep. uh, they're probably throwing Tate Martell out there who would not have transferred to Miami because he would have been in line to be the starter. I'll throw it out there. Penn State wins the game. Oh, my gosh. Penn State wins the game. Justin Fields was that important. I, Ohio that State probably isn't even – well, before then, that, they would maybe have one or two losses. I would yeah, say, maybe Tate Martell couldn't. He was a third stringer at Miami. I mean, right. and he's not even on the team anymore. Great segue. <laughs> I mean, We're going to talk to Rob Kelly about that on the other side. A, a graduate of right. the U. So yeah, that's that's what I was going well, for. <laughs> Somehow we got talking about Tate Martell and all this. So. There Where these shows <laughs> take you, I tell you what. But we will talk to him about that because we're picking Ohio State. So we'll we'll ask him Ohio State, Michigan. Who you got? Okay, now who you got if Tate Martell is your quarterback? We look forward to that discussion. <laughs> yeah, how about that? But it, it would just—I'm <laughs> more interested if if Justin Fields were the quarterback at Penn State right now. I would like to think that they're probably one or two in the country. Yeah, and yep. and that's that's sure. Why that's not? That's really the difference right now. And and Clifford, like I said, is playing very good football, but these this guy's on another level. I mean, he, the only thing I'll say is I take the receiving core of Ohio State over sure. that of Penn State as well. Yeah. Um. And I mean, probably yeah. the defensive line and the secondary, not the linebackers. Right. How about that? I think that? the That's... offensive lines are pretty equal, to be yep, honest I'll with you. I'll give you that. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, phenomenal talent at running back, but Penn State's got a good stable of running backs as well. Yeah, J.K., um, I would call him a, a tier above at the moment, but not Clifford, that Journey Clifford Brown can't does be that next year. Clifford does have nice weapons, and, you know, Fryer Muth is obviously one of the best at the position. So, uh, definitely Ohio State has more talent. James Franklin even said today, we are still closing the gap. Yep, they and he's still right. believe it. They and don't have the full eighty-five scholarship. You know, they, they they went back from sixty-five just two years ago, so they haven't had four years to recruit full classes yet. And and it, you know, I think a lot of the problem with that, Bob, is that win in twenty sixteen, and then winning the Big Ten, kind of um, pushed everything ahead. Like you know, uh, raised the accelerated bar. like the whole process, if you will raised the bar and it was like the new norm but really it was like they caught lightning in a <laughs> bottle i mean you had saquon barkley have an all-american season everything went right down the stretch yep you know ohio state beat michigan to get penn state into the the big 10 championship so 
Yeah. A lot of, and, and the year after, let's face it, the year after when they lost to Ohio State by one in, in Columbus, that game honestly goes goes either way. I mean, Penn State really should have won that they game. They should have won that they game. They win that. I doubt they lose to Michigan State the next week. Now, you never know, but they're still then going to Indianapolis again. Undefeated. Or even if they lost to Michigan State, they still, having beat Ohio yep. State the week before, they're still going. Another great chance to get to the playoffs. So the margin is really small, but at the end of the day, that's that's what separates these top-tier teams to top-tier, too. And so you have to – and this could be a whole separate show, but and I know that I'm a Franklin apologist, but that is the question. So what is the best way to get to the college football playoff? Is it to let him recruit for four straight years and uh, at that full recruiting class capacity? Is it to trust that, hey, he's been in the top ten each of the last four years, and prior to that it was you know certainly for many reasons not – you know, not at that level, but you go back to the mid two thousands. Paterno right. and his crew couldn't win more than six games. I, you know, is it to just reload and give Franklin some more resources and increase the pay he can give his assistants, maybe get a new assistant, or is it to start over, or is it to run Franklin out of town and bring somebody else in here? Uh, Who is it? That's the first thing, and then what is the kind of the the grace period? How long does it take to regroup? Because I don't think yeah, you need to regroup. I, 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 I think you got your coach here. The only the don't only run way him out of you, town. Yeah, I don't he's I don't foresee uh Franklin get run out of town definitely not this year. Uh the I only, mean run out of town as he, in he could leave for another job but if you treated him if 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 none of this was going on and I'm not saying he's thinking about leaving because of fan pressure or fan You're going to get that any solely. you're going to get that anywhere. I know you're going to get that anywhere but you need to conduct yourself as a fan base in a slightly different way and uh and I think the administration needs to step up for him. I, I would totally agree with that as well. Uh, the the issue is, um, what was I going to say about, oh, if you go to another coach, you don't know what you're going to be getting and how yeah. he's going to use current players. Are you now rebuilding again, uh, implementing a new system, et cetera? I'll leave this for you. Listen, There's maybe three coaches I'd rather have over James Right now, Franklin. I would say, and I, I would like to hear yours too, I would definitely say Matt Rule. I, I love that rule. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying okay. not, not definitely. You know, what, you know what though? I'm not. I guess I was saying more of likely candidates. Uh, I'm not going to gonna say. I'm not going to say a Nick Saban, a Dabo Swinney, even a Ryan Day, Kirby Smart. I would. I would say like a likely candidate that I think could fulfill what Franklin's done. That's that's kind of okay. what I was going with that. I yeah, was gonna fair say, enough. Nobody. I, I was going to say a Matt Rule potentially. Uh, maybe a Matt Campbell at Iowa State, or I mean, they would be the top two. I don't even know who my third would be. Isn't that the point, though? Right, that's jo- the Joe point. Brady, maybe. Sure, I don't know LSU's offensive coordinator. And I'd rather keep James Franklin. I just think, well, if you think about it too, Penn State's going to beat Rutgers on Saturday. I don't care if it's Sean Clifford, Will Levis, Michael Johnson Jr., Taquan Roberson, Michael Schuster. I don't care who's playing quarterback on Saturday. They're going to beat Rutgers. Um, that's going to be Penn State's third 10-plus 10, 10 win season in four years, which can't remember when the last time that's been done. That's right. So to keep things into perspective a little bit, as much as everybody hates losing, especially when you have such high hopes, at the end of the year this team did exceed expectations. They're looking in a really good spot, and we can talk about it a little bit for the New Year's Six. Uh, they came out tonight with the rankings. Penn State still slotted – well, not still, but still in the top ten. Number ten – a lot to play for still. Uh, a lot of things are still going to happen. 
they're ahead of Florida, which is very intriguing because there's a chance that they're going to be um, fighting with Florida for the final spot in the New Year's Six, which could land Penn State potentially in the Rose Bowl or yep. even the Orange Bowl. Rose Bowl, you're likely playing a Pac-12, Utah or Oregon. Orange Bowl would be a little bit more interesting. You're probably playing the winner of Virginia and Virginia Tech. In the case it's Virginia Tech, you'd be playing them twice in a span of nine months, which yep. is also interesting because you go decades without playing them, then you're playing them twice right. in nine months. Uh, so essentially your rooting guide for a New Year's Six is Minnesota to lose to Wisconsin, which is definitely possible. That's for the Big Ten West. You would need Ohio State to then win the Big Ten over the West winner, which is really possible. And um, that, that's pretty much it in terms for getting to a New Year's Six, which would also be the third time in four years. Yep. Agreed. The takeaway for me is that the, the fan base needs to have a more realistic understanding of what's going on. I get that certain decisions maybe didn't stick by you with well. Maybe certain uh, coordinator hires you don't love. The question is, who else are you going to bring in and is he able to get you where you need to go? Is he able to win a national championship? The answer is that he hasn't won a national championship, not that he can't. And you have to ask yourself that question. Can he or hasn't he? He hasn't. And let me not a- that he can't. Let me ask you this. If he, James Franklin, leaves for Florida State, USC, if he does, you're Penn State. Give me, give me three coaches. I gave you two. I can't think of a third right now. But who, who would be on your ideal? This guy can, can at least pick up what he left. Yeah. Are you asking me or yeah. just the? F- you. Oh, I don't have anybody. I, I you're saying I'm who would saying I rather take? No, no, no. If Franklin leaves for another job, who are your three top candidates? I don't think Matt Rule's taking the job. I think his next job is an NFL, NFL job. I've heard that too. Um, even though he is a Penn Stater and a state Yeah, pilot. I mean, yeah. Campbell is the next sort of hot ticket guy, right. without a doubt. I think that guy at Memphis is kind of hot right now, Norvell. Or, yeah. But, yep. I mean, again. I'd rather not even talk about it right now, to be honest. Hopefully we don't have to, but, you know, it's an it's interesting topic. But yeah. I don't, I'm not too worried about him leaving, but you're right. He could feel run out by the fans, which I don't think is very fair. I do think it is fair, though, that they are frustrated with some of the calls um, on offense, uh, and I think that, you know, Franklin's going to have a tough decision to make. I mean, he's not afraid to fire um, Coach. He's very loyal, but he did fire John Donovan yep. a couple years ago, which turned out to be the best decision he's made since coming to Penn State and hiring Joe Moorhead. So right. he knows what he has, and, you know, as close as he is and loyal as he is to Ricky Ronnie, if he feels that, you know, somebody else is better for the job and for where this program needs to go, he's going to make the move. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. It is the Guest Picker Showdown here this evening. Mara Long, Rob Kelly sitting in the green room ready to come in, make their picks. We're excited to do it. You're watching the Nittany Alliance Sports Report. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. It is the Nittany Lions Sports Report here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Rob Kelly, more along. There is the view of our competitors looking dead into the camera. There we are. And here we are, everybody. <laughs> as this is, promised. As promised. This is the tail end of the guest picker sweepstakes, and both of you guys went 6-0. and Yes. So, very impressive. Rob Kelly, captain of the Bush League Open Championships. And then, of course, Mara Long, my captain wife. Captain of Ruffs Golf Club. Captain of Ruffs. <laughs> the boss. The That's bo- right. That's it. So we're happy to have the both of you guys here. Um, what's it mean? What's it mean? We'll start with you, Mara. What's it mean to be here in the finals? It's a real shocker to me, Bob, <laughs> because you pulled me in as a random fill-in for one of your other guests and didn't give me much time to think about it. So... I feel incredibly lucky to be here and be competing against somebody with the knowledge base as Rob has. And, uh, yeah, just going to try to do our best here. Yeah. Well, you did a great job. And as we mentioned to you preseason, you had a red shirt. We were hoping not to burn <laughs> it. it. <laughs> but <laughs> we had an injury. Somebody couldn't get to the studio. Uh, burn the red and shirt. we had to burn the red shirt. So, Rob, Bush League Open Championship yes, 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 captain. Yes. And you represented the team well with your picks. Yeah, man. It was a better showing than we had at the Cup. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's good to be here, Bob. Obviously, we've uh, we've been good friends for a while and been a fan of Bob Long Sports. This year was my first year picking. Uh, so I am couldn't be more proud and excited to be here. Well, let's do it. We're going to go back to our... First take looking thing where everybody's sitting in the different room. We got one camera on each of you guys. And what we're going to have you do is I'm going to give you a game. You're going to write it out in big letters on the pads that I've given you. And all at once, you're going to turn it around. Tyler's giving points. Putting people on mute at the bottom. That's right. (laughs) So first game of the week, Virginia Tech on the road at UVA. This is a game where... The winner will win the Coastal and face Clemson in the ACC Championship. So you're going to write your picks. And when everybody's ready, we're going to turn them around. And on three, one, two, three. We got, what do we got? Virginia Tech and UVA. Oh, oh, yes, we go. have different ones. Okay, there we go. go. All right. <laughs> we got the Wahoos. The Wahoos. Yes, yes. sir. Oh, wow. I just like Bronco Mendenhall. I think he's a player. Uh, for fun fact, Virginia Tech's won 15 straight uh, against UVA. I think this is the year. This is the year. This is the year. The Cavs going to the ACC championship. Virginia Tech's playing as well as anybody in the ACC right now. We shall see. Next game. Wisconsin on the road at Minnesota. This is the battle for the Big Ten West. Deliberating. (laughs) It's like Jeopardy. Deliberating. I'm ready. Hey, everybody. They're ready. Paul Bunyan's axe. One, two, three. Scotty. Oh, I'm too Pull high. That down. Too high, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, Wisconsin and Minnesota. We got two different That's picks good. so far. That is for Paul Bunyan's axe. I love it. I was genuinely wondering, though, if there's two ends in Minnesota or one That's N. why I just wrote Wisco oh, for Wisconsin. <laughs> That's why you can't. You could write Hopefully many. Hopefully I guessed right. You guessed right. Oh, great. You gave yourself away, though. Uh, I shouldn't have said anything. What's but the over-under in that, like 22? I wanted 22? to hedge. <laughs> yeah, right? 
I wanted to hedge. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But it's good. We got two different picks so far. Two for two. Okay. Ohio State at Michigan. Big game here. Ohio State has already clinched, but it is the rivalry game. So, ready? I'm ready. One, two, three, flip. Oh, H? Oh. <laughs> I know, baby. Let's go Bucks. All right. We can agree on that, Rob. That's it. All right. Ohio State. That one is – that one's my lock of the week. Yeah. That's my lock of the week. I think that's a good pick there. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields is too good. Oh, Next. Yeah, <laughs> I won that pick, though. I won six in them. Next one is – Alabama at Auburn, and and it was these picks here, Wisconsin at Mini, uh, Virginia Tech at UVA, and then this one, Alabama at Auburn, where I was cursing Tyler because we have two, three straight games where you have two-and-a-half-point favorites as the road team. The home team has quite the atmosphere at all those places, and every one of these games means something. For Alabama, this is do they this stay is, on the fringes of the college football playoff race? I would argue, Bob, before I write this down, I would argue that, that this is a, a tipping point in the dynasty of Alabama with the way Ohio State looks, the way LSU looks. Uh, I mean, Auburn's even putting, putting some good runs together. If they lose this game, who's to say this isn't kind of the end of the Alabama dynasty? Yeah. My take. Rob is to say that it's my the end. That's my take. <laughs> so we're gonna turn them around. One, two, three. We got another oh, one. Oh, I was War Eagle. I was afraid we would have to have some tiebreaker. Uh, there will be no tiebreakers this week. Well, well uh, you never know. Right. What, is, what is a tiebreaker? Yeah, we're gonna I get there. Oh, I like that. War Eagle, this one. Cow. On the road at the Rose Bowl. That's the only way they're going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Playing UCLA. Chip Kelly. I was going to say, yeah, this is <laughs> this is always an interesting one, getting two Philadelphia people to pick a Chip Kelly game. Yeah. But I think we're ready. I'm ready. One, two, three. What do we got? Cow. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is awesome. This is great. This is not scripted either. No. This is spectacular. I just But can't. now you have four differences, right? This or is, is it just three? No, it's that's our All fifth game that we picked. We picked Ohio State. So yeah, four. so you are going to tie. That's for sure. Well, Unless this well, next one. We have one more game. Well, there it is. Against the, sp- against the spread. Right? State is six game, and then they could do three, three, three. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you pick this game and then decide whether there's going to be a tiebreaker or not, and then I got a little something fun. All right, and the spread. The spread for the Penn State-Rutgers game is 40 and a half. So is Penn State going to beat Rutgers by more than 40 and a half points? Yes or no? All right, on three. One, two, three. We got the Exit 7 Warriors. Oh, Rutgers. baby. <laughs> there it is. Oh, wow. That is, we need a tiebreaker now. So, that is. No cover, ex- no cover, right? No cover. We are saying no cover. Rutgers, no cover. Rutgers are going to cover. Yeah. Yeah, 40 points. I think Franklin pulls the, uh, you know, turns off the gas. Rutgers stays in it. 46 to 7. 
46 to 7. Heard it, don't cover. You heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> Vegas is good, but. So. Yes. What do you think, Tyler? Do we just have him pick the score like that as the tiebreak, or do we give him another game until they miss a game? I like that. Yeah, because Rob just you told me I just the gave score. you the score. That is definitively what definitively the, score the score will be. Yes. All right. Yeah. So. Okay. Throw, throw like a D3 playoff or something. How about this? Who does, yeah. Who does Villanova, Villanova have? is playing somebody. Oh, um, Southeastern Louisiana or something oh, like that. Can we get a little background on those two? Yeah, yeah of course. Dynasties. All right. Here's what we got. Here's what we got, people. Villanova is playing Southeastern Louisiana. Nova at 8-3. and three. Southeastern Louisiana at 7-4. and four. Good match. Villanova was the higher-ranked team, but for one reason or another, the selection committee chose to send them down to Southeastern Louisiana. That is a 4 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Again, this only counts if you guys are if tied, tied. If after tied. the 6th games yes my pick so, is written my pick okay. is written so southeastern louisiana or villanova all of that information you gave me is not helpful for Good. this wonderful one two three tap the rock ah we're going with the cats yeah. all right i have some good friends who coach at villanova uh two of my old roommates are coaching there three of them actually so that one's for you guys all right inside information how about the uh, egg bowl Ooh. Let's do it. Mississippi State against Ole Miss. Let's do this with the spread. You want the spread? Let's do it with the spread. Big money guy. What is the spread? Anybody know? Anybody know? Who's home? I think it's Mississippi State. They're probably like. This is good TV here. This is is live. This is brilliant. We're doing it live. (laughs) I'll write it and we'll do it live. All righty, the Egg Bowl, the Rebels, four and seven on the year, two and five in the SEC, the Bulldogs, five and six, and two and five on the season. Mississippi State is home and a two and a half point favorite. So we're going to go against the spread. Who's going to win? Is I'm Mississippi sorry, State going to win by more than two and a half points? Mm. You can look when I, when I reveal it, Bob. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. What do we got? On three. One, two, three. More oh! cowbell. Look at that. Another one. Mississippi State. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. only if there's a tie after regulation. Yeah. Correct. Can you look up some more games, Tyler? Give us a hard this? one. Happy to pick whatever. Oh, wait, how about Notre Dame Stanford? Oh, yes. With the spread. With the spread. What is the spread? We're gonna find that out. As a proud Notre Dame fan. It's it's probably I would say fifteen. Yeah. Hmm. No. You think? Yeah, Stanford stinks. Yeah. You sure about that? I would say fourteen and a half. That's what I would think of too. All right. We got Notre Dame at Stanford. Notre Dame is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Pretty good. Stanford ranked? No. Stanford is not. They're struggling this year. Four and seven. They're smart, though. Mm. 
On three. For everyone who knows me, this one was easy. One, two, three. We've broken the tie, haven't we? Fear the tree. Nerd Nation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There you go, guys. Well, thanks for being here. This was great. A lot of fun. I would love it to come down to the Stanford-Notre Dame game. (laughs) But isn't the Minnesota game, that is the the night game, isn't it? No. 3.30. What's the night game? What's the Saturday night game? I don't know what the night game is. Well, Minnesota saying three thirty. Hey, let's hope. Let's hope it comes down to this. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. It would. That be. would be cool. That would Good be a lot stuff. Of fun. What does They'll the winner be. Get? What? What does the winner get? The winner gets swag. The winner gets uh, some sort of swag. Coming from you, Bob, that means a lot. The king of swag, right here. Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. To be determined. But we right. will announce the winner. Yes. Thanks for being here. 2-6-0, and oh, folks. Yes. Hope you continue on undefeated, though that's un- impossible with four different picks. Yeah. But thank you. Thank Ruff's you representative. De facto Bush League representative, for sure. Vice versa. Yeah, right. Bush but League representative, please. de facto Ruff's I got left out of the LaSalle Explorer magazine when the Bush League got, got our article about us. So oh, no. I'll be de facto. Yes. All right, <laughs> again. Everybody's de facto. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys in May. Yes. Um, stay tuned to all our content coming up about Bush League against Ruffs in the Cup 2020. We're probably going to talk about some courses if we have some time after we're done here. Yeah. And maybe uh, maybe charities and all that good stuff. For so sure. We'll have a lot more coming out about that. Mara Long, Rob Kelly, we'll see how this one goes. Stay tuned for just about a minute, and then we'll be back with more. Bob and Tyler essentially breaking our tie. We've gone all year, and we're one game that. apart. That's awesome. So this will be good. You're watching the Nittany Lions Sports Report. I chose CCM because I have found that this company, um, on the level of scaling that we have here, the volume that we are doing, to truly have every department head and employee fully engaged in the mission of the company to make it an originator-focused, production-first, uh, company. I have not found that anywhere I've worked, and I've worked at one of the largest banks in the world, down to the smallest tiny community bank and correspondent lender. No one has been able to consistently deliver that message. All right, welcome back, everybody, inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse. It is time for the guest picker segment. And let's get right into it. You know, you're up one, and we, uh, we'll see this one out. So the first pick, game pick we're picking, is Virginia Tech against UVA. And on three, we'll put it up there. One, two, three. All right, Tyler has UVA, and I have Virginia Tech. So we have one Here difference we go. already. Next one is Wisconsin on the road against... Minnesota. On three. One, two, three. All right, we both got Wisconsin. So we're on pace to be potentially tied if uh, <laughs> if one thing happens. All right, the next one, Ohio State and Michigan. One, two, three. All right. You like the money sign? I love the money sign. I love it. You got much better handwriting than I do as well. Oh, so. wow. I've never actually heard I had nicer handwriting than anybody. Yep. I guess I'm taking my time here on the air. <laughs> Next game, Alabama at Auburn. On three. One, two, three. 
Okay, so we have one difference thus far. I'm playing conservative here. Are you now? One game lead going into it. Oh, wow. I like my VTech pick, so we shall see. The next game is Cal against UCLA. Chip Kelly. One, two, three. Can't pick for Chip, man. Can't do it. Can't do it. Okay. So now we have picked all the same games, and I believe that was five, right? Did I miss one? That was five. Yes. No, you didn't miss one. We did not miss one. Right. Yeah, we're good. Penn State against Rutgers. Now you got me thinking. Did we miss one? No. No, we're good. Wisconsin, Ohio State, Bama, and Cal. We're good. We're good. So now it is Penn State against Rutgers. (laughs) This is a tough one. 40 and a half for the win to decide whether we need to make additional picks on three. One, two, three. Wow. No cover, no cover. Oh, boy. All right. And I still think Penn State is going to beat them by like 35 points. I I do too. I think just because we don't know the quarterback status or it's just kind of a, you know, that's a, that's a large number. Yes, it is. And Ohio State was like 52-point favorites or something like that and against Rutgers, and Rutgers easily covered that one. So so the next one is Villanova in the FCS against Southeastern Louisiana. On three, one, two, three. There it is. All right, we're Home done. Home field advantage. We're done. I did it to end it. <laughs> I knew who you were going to pick. <laughs> but it's not going to come down to that. It's going to be UVA taking the Coastal. So it'll be okay. done for everybody pretty early in the day. I'm not sure what time that game is, but no need to worry about the Villanova game because okay. UVA is going to take care of biz. All right. Well, Tyler, this has been fun all year long, and I thought this was a cool way to end it. I don't know if it came across well on TV or not. Uh, I hope the little family feud well, – not family feud, couples, whatever – Format of doing this, yeah. I hope it was fun. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think if I beat you, I should get a little Bob Long swag as well. You know, throwing a shirt there. I think we might be able so. to do something. But if you. if you win, I don't know what I can really give you that you would want. So that's okay. <laughs> Your time and services as a co-host on the show. It's been a great year. We may, we probably should do something leading into bowl season. Yeah, uh, a lot to cover when you get the bowl season. The first signing period will be over by then. Um, You'll, we'll know a lot more on the coaching end. We'll know who Penn State's playing in a bowl game. We'll know where Penn State's going and all that good stuff. And, you know, a little slight preview into the 2020 season. Tyler, thank you, man. Pleasure, Bob. Always uh, fun. To all the listeners out there, thank you very much. Uh, continuously gaining gaining uh, uh, listeners throughout the throughout the country, really. And it's a, it's a fun thing that we do here, and I'm, I'm glad that you have me a part of it. I like talking about it and – you know, not many people like listening to me, but this gives me a platform for people to listen. There so I really go. do enjoy it. Well, yeah, huge numbers on YouTube last week. So fantastic. Keep it up, everybody. We appreciate your support of us. Let us know how we can do better. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks talking bowl season. For the last time in the regular season, this is the Nittany Lions Sports Report here on Bob Long Sports. Tyler Gellhouse, Bob Long. Have a great evening, everyone.